Hey everybody, this is Matt and welcome to special overflow pod series road trip where I talk about my extremely eventful <laughs> trip down to South Carolina and help my mom through a very difficult heart procedure. So here we are on episode four where I arrived down there. I spent my first night on the stench filled trailer floor. We wake up bright and early at 6 a.m. and we got to leave at 6.30. She's having a rough time. And we finally get out the door about 6.35. We are on our way to the hospital. So I'm going to title this episode. This is the pre-operation. So we're driving to the hospital. And she goes, Matt, I've been thinking about this for a long time. And there's something I have to tell you. But I'm going to wait till we get on the main road to tell you because I don't want you driving off the road. And I'm like, Mom, I can handle whatever you have to tell me. I'm not a little child anymore. I'm an adult. I won't get spooked out by what you say. No, no, no. I can't tell you. It's too important. And I've waited too long. And I'm not exaggerating this at all. I am telling you factually this is what happened. So I put up with this and we go on these turns and we finally make it out to the main road that we're going to be on till we get to the hospital. It's like a kind of like a main thoroughfare, you know, two lane highway, 60 miles an hour. So she, as soon as we get on the road, as soon as the ramp turns into the lane, she starts talking. And I was like, whoa, so weird. So she starts telling me a story about when I was a kid. And why she made me go to a public school instead of a Christian school like my sister. Because my sister couldn't handle it. But I could. And I stopped her at that point. I was like, Mom, what are you talking about? She was like, just listen to me, Matthew. Just listen to me. It's very important. I'm like, that didn't happen. Just listen to me, Matthew. You need to listen to me. But that didn't happen. And she started to get hysterical. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to, you know, she's about to have her operation. Maybe she has some deep repressed feeling that she has to get out before she goes to this operation. So I calm myself down and I talk to myself in my head saying, Matt, you need to calm down. You're supposed to be a rock, a pillar of support. I said, okay. And I said, okay, talk away. So she goes on to tell me how they couldn't afford to send two kids to a Christian school and how. They knew I could handle it, but my sister couldn't. So they sent my sister there, and I went to a public school. And then she got done, and that was it. And she said, I felt so bad sending you to a public school while your sister went to a Christian school. And she's crying. And I'm like, why are you crying? This was over 30 years ago. And I said this to myself, and it didn't even happen. And she was like, you don't understand. I was so upset sending you to this public school that you were going to get bullied at and you were going to get hurt. And I just looked at her. And I, I, I didn't know how to respond to this because it was all made up. You see, what really happened was my sister is three years older than me, two and a half, but she's three class years. And she graduated from school in 88 from a Christian high school. Now, my parents were still together when she graduated. That was one of the things. They got divorced the second she graduated, and I went away for a week. It was about a month after her graduation. So when she graduated, 
or when my parents got divorced, I came home and I told my dad that day, I refused to go to a Christian school. I said, I want nothing to do with that school. I hated that school. It was so legalistic. I just hated it. And I wanted to go to a public school. But he said, well, just, just give it a year. I said, okay. So I went one more year. And then, and that was in 1988. So my sister graduated. And in 1988, I'm going to the Christian school. I finished 10th grade. And my dad says, okay, you don't have to go there anymore. And I go to public school, 11th and 12th grade. I was not bullied or upset or I had the time of my life in public school. I loved it. I had lots of friends. I had a great time. I met people that I'm still friends with on Facebook and that I could call up if I had to. It was great. I loved it. And I had no idea what my mom was talking about. She just made up this story and how she had to tell me. And she told me I was talking to my therapist and she told me that I had to tell you. And I asked her, why did you have to tell me? What was the reason? What do you want to convey? And she just started crying. And I'm thinking, you just made this whole thing up. I know my life. I know where I went to school every year of the year. I even have yearbooks. I can prove to you where I was, when I was. I just couldn't understand it. She just made this stuff up. And I was like, okay, maybe she's just losing it because she's about to have surgery. But my mom has a tendency to make stuff up all the time. She lies constantly and it drives me mad. I hate lying. I remember telling my kids, I was like, I don't care whatever you do. Just don't lie to us. Like if you do something bad, you know, it's one thing. If you do something bad and then lie about it, I don't care about what you did. I'm going to care about your lie. I was like, because lying is one of the most terrible things you can do. I'll never trust you. I much rather you just do something wrong, admit it, and then we'll work through it versus you lie about it. It'll be 10 times worse. And I've taught that to my kids and my kids have done that. They don't lie. And so I, I'm sitting in the car going, I don't know what to do. You are driving me crazy and we haven't even gotten to the hospital yet because I can't handle things that are made up, especially about myself. She, she'll go, this is one of the problems that I have just hanging out with her. We'll be in public and she'll just talk to a random stranger and tell a story about me that isn't true. That's just made up. And it drives me insane. And so I just say, okay, thank you for telling me at the end. Cause I didn't know what else to say. And she said, good, good. And she stopped crying. And I was like, okay, well, we pulled up to the hospital, very nice looking hospital, a grand strand at Myrtle Beach Hospital and get to the cardio cath lab. Before we get there, we go to admitting and I, I go in and my mom demands to walk in. She has a cane and she's not doing too good. I've never see, seen her like this. She's usually very spry, but she has not aged well. So we're in there and she walks in with a cane and she's holding onto my arm. And I think she's probably just nervous. So by the time we get in there, I mean, I park in a regular parking spot and she just walked, but I was like, why didn't we just, I didn't just drop you off, but she didn't want that. So by the time we got in there, she could barely stand. The admitted nurse says, would you like a wheelchair? And, and, she, and my mom was like, no, I don't need a wheelchair. I was like, yes, we would like one <laughs> because I could tell that she just, she just needed to sit down. So I brought her in and I get her into the admitting area and got to put on a mask. That's hospital policy. It was... I, I sat down with her and the lady 
who was admitting was so nice. She was so personable, Southern charm, Southern hospitality. And I was like, wow, this is just like the cashier at the grocery store. I mean, it was so good. And so I sat there and I listened and I tried to explain to my mom because my mom would ask a question over and over and over and over again. And the nurse kept trying to give her the same answer over and over again. And she just was not connecting. So I had to constantly interpret and to try to get her to calm down. I was like, this is not the time. These are not the right people to talk to. You got to talk to the doctor for this one. You got to talk to the social worker for this one. You got to talk to so-and-so about this one. And so I finally get in. We get into the cardio cath lab. We're there on time. We get back there by eight o'clock. She gets changed into her hospital outfit and she's laying in bed. The nurse comes in and the first words out of her mouth, I'm like, man, I'm going to like this nurse. She's just no nonsense, you know, just an amazing nurse. And I was just sitting back and she had my mom eating out of the palm of her hand. She was so good. But the problem was, is that they had to put these uh, IVs in her and she had just gone a couple weeks ago to the emergency room. She had uh, something going on with her heart and uh, they had to give her an IV and they messed it up. It was at a different hospital, smaller, more rural. And so her veins kind of blew up on both of her arms. So they had to go in her hands. That's painful. And so my mom couldn't handle the pain. And so she would cry. She started getting hysterical. And the nurse was like, I don't know if you're going to be able to do the surgery if you don't calm down because you are not in your right state of mind. The nurse tried to keep calming her down. I was like, mom, you have got to calm down. And she just couldn't do it. But eventually they calmed her down. She's dealing with the pain. They finally stick her in with the two IVs, one on each hand, if you will. And that was painful. I get the pain there. But I have a feeling that it was more due to nervousness. And she kept saying, this isn't what I expected. The nurse was like, well, that's what happens when your arm veins are blown up and I can't use them. So I have to use ones that are more painful. So she ended up using a pediatric needle to get it in and it worked. And I was thinking, if the pediatric needle worked, why didn't you just use that to begin with? Why use an adult needle at all? <laughs> I don't, I mean, the pediatric needle, she didn't feel any pain. I was thinking, man, why'd you just do this from the start? And the nurse kind of explained things, what was going on. She said, uh, you know, we'll get to you when they're finished. They're on their first procedure right now. They usually do three procedures and she was the middle one. So she, she got there after the first procedure. So all the doctors are there and we waited and we waited and we waited. I asked the nurse and the nurse came over and she was like, and my mom was like, what's going on? And she was like, well, we had, uh, we had somebody come in and bump you. I said, oh, she was like, yeah, a really bad motorcycle accident. I was like, oh no. And I was thinking, how bad is the motorcycle accident? If you're working on a heart, how bad has it? Like you're working on the heart. Usually you work on trauma, you know, like broken arms, legs, shoulders, head, but a heart. I have no idea what happened. Then there was another accident. Well, I don't know if it was an accident, but it was another person who had to have emergency heart surgery, open heart surgery. So that means they either have a heart attack or something happened. And that bumped my mom again. By this time, you know, it's about three and a half, four hours later, and my mom's getting tired of it. She's just like, I want this done. Why is it taking so long? And the nurse came in. She goes, we, 
you got bumped again. Somebody else had an emergency and had to be operated on. And I'm thinking, holy smokes, another person? You know, when you have to do emergency heart surgery, you don't know if they're going to live. Like, this is something that, I mean, this is a scheduled procedure. This is totally different. And I'm thinking, I wonder, I hope they're okay. I mean, there's my first thought. And I looked at my mom, and she's just complaining. She was like, well, they shouldn't have scheduled it if they didn't have the ability to do blah, blah, blah. And she's just focusing on herself. And I said, Mom, let me tell you a story. And I said, you know, when I was 15, do you remember when I was 15, I ran into that car that ran the stop sign and I ended up totaling the car? She's like, yeah. I said, remember, I, I broke my growth plate. I was in the hospital for two and a half weeks. Do you remember why I was in the hospital for over two weeks when it was just a little mini growth plate? I said, I waited three days to get operated on. The first day, there was a motorcycle, multi-vehicle motorcycle accident where three people had to have surgeries done at the same time. So I was bumped. The next day, there was another accident, huge accident. I got bumped again. The next day, I got bumped again. I don't remember what happened. And I remember on the third day, I was complaining about it to nurse. I, How long am I going to be in this stupid room? I was a 15-year-old punk kid. And I started complaining to the nurse. What makes it worse is the nurse was like the prettiest nurse that I had. And I remember my parents would bring me in candy and, and the nurses would ask for it. And of course I would give it to them because, you know, I'm 15 year old and looking at a nurse who's cute, you know, it's, I guess it's what you do when you're 15. Anyway, <laughs> embarrassing moment over. She, she sits down and she goes, Matt, let me tell you a little about the patients. And then she proceeded to tell me about how we don't know if the first motorcycle person is alive if they're going to live, they're still on life support. They're in the ICU. The second accident as well. She goes, I don't know enough about the third. So she, so get your head out of your butt and start thinking about other people. You're going to be fine. You're just uncomfortable. Their lives are irrecoverably changed at the least. And they might not even make it home. So stop being so selfish. And I still remember that to this day. And the next time when I saw her, I said, I'm sorry. I'm just a dumb kid. And she looked at me and she goes, well, if you learn that, then you're no longer a dumb kid. And that's when I really started to like her. <laughs> I still remember. I don't know her name or anything, but I gave her candy every time she came in. Anyway, so I told that story to my mom. And she just looked at me and she goes, well, I don't care. It's <laughs> like, wow. It's like, okay. I was like, you're just going to be selfish. And I was like, okay, it's your prerogative. I'm just trying to keep you calm. And it did calm her down a little bit. And then finally, after six and a half hours, she went in. She was finally able to go in. I thought to myself, you know, we are so self-centered when we're in pain. We are the only thing that exists because pain is one of those things that grabs you and is like blaring. It's like blaring in your face and you just can't focus on anything except your pain. It could, somebody could be going through worse pain. You don't care. There could be other things more important going on in your life. All you feel is that pain. And we are so self-centered. And we all fall to this. And I think if I didn't go through that when I was 15, whenever somebody did that, I would, I'd be, I would be selfish. But, but ever since I went through that and she basically reamed me out, I start to look at things slightly differently. But when pain is so intense, that's all we go through. So my mom finally went in. 
I was able to leave because some people stay. I was like, I am not staying waiting in the waiting room for no reason. Cause when she gets out, she's going to be out of, she's going to be out of commission for like six hours. Anyway, she can't get up. She has to lie down flat for six hours because she has to get blood clots where they went in on both sides of the leg. So until she gets those two blood clots in, she can't move. And that's one of the, that is really the only recovery that they worry about is the blood clotting in the, in the arteries because you don't want to bleed through that. And so I was able to leave and the nurse told me she would text me and she did. She texted me like every hour, hour and a half and gave me an update about what was going on. And I was like, man, this nurse is amazing. And I just went next door. There's a, uh, a nice wood fired pizza place that I ate lunch. And then I went into Publix and I had this lemon or key lime pie, these mini key lime pies at Publix. Oh my gosh. That probably thing probably had like 1500 calories. I ate the whole thing. It was so good. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. I couldn't check into my hotel room yet. So I went to the McDonald's parking lot and checked out their Wi-Fi. Their Wi-Fi was so fast. I was at like 195 megabits per second. I was like, holy smokes, this is faster than my house. So I got on the Wi-Fi in the McDonald's parking lot, and then I moved it over to the first row outside of McDonald's in between these two large black SUVs that blocked out the sun. I parked my nice little Camry in between the two things. I sat back, watched a couple movies, read, enjoyed the McDonald's free Wi-Fi for the next three and a half hours. It was awesome. It was such a relaxing time from my mom. Then I got a text, said, come on back. She's out. She's been uh, resting for a couple hours now. I think uh, it's a good time to come and visit. So that's what I did. And I'm going to stop it there. And I'll talk about that next in episode five, where I get to go back to the hospital and see what happened. What else can go wrong? Oh, there's many things. Well, God bless. And I'll see you next week in the next pod.